Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, these past several weeks really have been wonderful if you're a sports enthusiast, starting right after Thanksgiving and just recently concluding with the Winter Olympics. There have been a lot of ex excitement and expectation about the various teams, where they would finish and if they would be competing for trophies and, and the cash that comes with winning. For instance, the Christmas season was filled with college football championships. And then the new year rolled around and there were all the playoff games between the colleges to determine who would be the new national champion. After that was settled, the pro teams took to the field with their playoffs to determine the two teams who would play in the Super Bowl, which was, I think, last week or so. And then finally, the Winter Olympics, controversial as they usually become and did become, took us to China to witness the best of the best athletes in a variety of winter sports. And now, college basketball fills our time as just waiting for baseball spring training as it ramps up to launch a new year of sports. Well, looking at all of that as a group, it occurred to me that the transfiguration of Jesus includes some of these characteristics. There's been a thousands of years of planning and preparing the world for the execution of God's plan of salvation, how Jesus would fulfill all the prophecies and bring into reality what was only known as a promise. Moses and Elijah are meeting with Jesus and explaining, and Jesus explaining how he would fulfill all of these prophecies. He would explain that he knew that he would die for the sin of everyone in the world, that his death would be the reality of all the blood sacrifices that had been carried by the Old Testament prophets and priests. Jesus would be the perfect sacrifice that would not have to be repeated. Because you see, I don't think we think about it very often, but the ancient fathers, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they only caught glimpses of what was, come, what was to come as fulfillment of what God told them. And so here are Moses and Elijah, the two premier prophets in the Old Testament, getting the full story of what's coming next, understanding the final assault that Jesus is going to be making in his life to fulfill all the prophecies Moses and Elijah and the like have made. For instance, he would tell them there would be a final contest that would determine who would be ruler for all time and eternity. And yet the ironic thing is this winner would die, but be raised to life again, never to die again. And all who believe that God the Father raised him, raised Jesus from the dead, would live with him forever. That would be the great victory that Jesus would achieve. But this contest, first promised back in the beginning of time, would involve the entire creation and its inhabitants. The creator of the heavens and the earth would recruit as candidates like you and me, the, most the least likely to win the, uh, to win the day. And God would give these candidates only his word that he will prevail. Beginning before there was a beginning of anything, we must always remember there is God, and he is eternal. He is I am. 
His word brings into existence all the things that do not exist. Before there was a beginning, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit predetermined who would be chosen to carry their banner. Their candidates would be armed with the word of God, filled with God's promises first revealed in the Garden of Eden. For it's here in that garden that the contest begins to be played out. The word of God there in the garden, in creation, the word of God is challenged by the tempter in that very creation of beauty God created. Challenged by a tempter who shows up in the form of a snake, traditionally understood, forever insulting it as deceitful. Poor snake. Even there in the beginning, the tempter is doomed to the eternal fires of hell prepared for him and his angels. The promise of a savior who would crush the tempter's power will be fulfilled by the tempter's own devices because you see God works all things for good who are called to his purpose and redeeming us was his purpose. And so the contest begins in Eden, spills out into the whole creation. The destructive power of sin corrupts the whole creation including its human inhabitants who pass it down from generation to generation to even now. The evil power of sin acts out for the entire world to see as we are seeing in our own cultures today. The promise of forgiveness and redemption is illustrated in the form of blood sacrifices, then the only acceptable remedy. At first it is a shadow of the redemption to come. And then in the middle of time, the redeemer appears and is promptly ignored. But here on this mountain, the redeemer, Jesus Christ, explains the final assault. He will lay down his life to pay the death debt each one of us owes for our sin. And this confrontation between God and Satan will not be in the lush garden like Eden once was. And it will not take place face to face between Jesus and Satan in the desolate regions of the Judean wilderness, away from the crowds who follow Jesus for his miracles. No, instead, it'll take place in full, in full public view, right in the heart of God's city, Jerusalem, authorized and carried out by the world's most powerful empire of the time. Nearly beaten to death, Jesus will give up his life on a cross for the whole world to see. God the Father will raise him from death to new life to never die again, giving eternal life to everyone who believes in him. It is the final face-to-face -face contest. It's not the tempter versus God's word in a garden. It's not Jesus versus Satan in the wilderness. It is not Jesus dying on a cross and suffering eternal death. It is Jesus outside an empty tomb, totally victorious. He's appearing to his disciples in Jerusalem who are hiding behind locked doors. He's walking with his disciples to Emmaus, explaining from Moses and all the prophets, what is said in the scriptures about him. But the contest is over and has been over for 2000 years. The final score is measured by the number of believers and has not yet been reached, but it is close. And when it's reached, the dead in Christ shall rise first and we who are alive shall be caught up together with them to meet Christ in the air and we will be with the Lord forever. 
When they heard these words, Moses and Elijah must have been filled with excitement as Jesus explained everything to them. We should be filled with such excitement to hear his plan again and again and again. These are not times to be heavy with sleep as are Peter, James, and John. For every second that passes, every minute, hour, day, week, and decade that goes by brings the triumphant parade in the skies that much closer. When you think about it, we have been spending our lives getting ready for it. And we will continue to be ready. And we will encourage others to get ready. This, after one, this afternoon, one more part of the plan will be put in place. Pastor Eric Robinson will be installed as our pastor. And I am sure that he has been praying and seeking to know from the Lord what it is we can do to encourage us to stay up ready and encourage those who are not ready to get ready. We are surrounding him with our prayers and presence as he assumes leadership. And with him, our eyes will not be heavy with sleep. We shall be awake. We will continue to hear the voice of God speak to us from his word. This is my son, Jesus, my, my chosen one. And we will listen to him because we are ready and we are set and we will go and we will go not into Jerusalem to witness death and burial. We will go into glory with the Lord to be with him forever. We are ready, we are set, we are ready to go. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand as you are able as we confess our faith in this triune God who gives us such confidence. In the words of the Nicene Creed. 